Welcome to another episode of Beyond Queer Stories. Today our guest is Kay Pierce. They are a self-described friendly neighborhood bearded NB, late 20-something stuck out in the suburbs. They work in carpentry by day and alternate between debating people on Facebook and recording their podcast, The Baldwin Kids, which covers current political events, mental health, and nerdy chit-chat. They're also a language nerd of their friend group and dabbles in around 10 languages, aside from English and French, the two they are fluent in. Right. So welcome. <laughs> Thank right. you for um, being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm just going to ask you one question real quick. What identities do you feel most influence your experiences throughout life? Probably just being a overall queer individual. Mm-hmm. Gender-wise, it's just kind of a bunch of question marks. Mm-hmm. Um, hence the NB or non-binary tag. And then I, idea is pansexual. Okay. Um so there's the occasional thing of some of my friends are strictly gay or strictly straight, mm-hmm. and that just kind of flies over my head because it's the like talking to straight girls like, have you seen girls? <laughs> <laughs> so it's I don't know it's um just something interesting to run into from time to time. Mm-hmm. The majority of my friends are some shade of queer. Okay. So there's that. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. So how do you think? In regards of like your friend group and how you identify, do you think there's any like conflicting things that are going on with that? Like, would you say that everyone like accepts like each other like comfortably with the fact that you are queer? Like, some are more strict in their identity and stuff like that. Um, I haven't really come across anyone in my friend groups that are atypical, if you will, enough. Well, I guess atypical is not quite the right word. Uncommon okay. enough for their identities to cause any kind of confusion mm-hmm. i mean i've you know got cis friends trans friends friends that are still trying to figure out their gender people who don't know what they're attracted to attracted to nothing attracted to everything mm-hmm. like yours truly but now that i think about it i don't really i haven't run into anybody who uses neo pronouns for example what is that um i'm sure you've probably seen like people using um like ey or em so like they and them, but without the th sound mm, okay. to, for their pronouns. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with my current friend group, that would be a teeny bit of a learning curve. Mm-hmm. But nothing, no real friction other than, a, oh, wait, that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. So it seems like you have a really like awesome group of friends that like understand each other. I try to. <laughs> you know, I... I don't have patience for nonsense, so yeah. if nonsense starts happening, I kind of fade out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. You can only tolerate so much, and like if you're already comfortable in yourself, and somebody's like trying to like mess that up, it's just not worth it at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know there's somebody who internally got demoted from friend to acquaintance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, just because he refused to try to understand or even click on a google search about what being non-binary is yeah that's unfortunate <laughs> so it's kind of a just random interactions on playstation or on facebook it's just a hey happy birthday or, or anything like that but i don't really reach out to him much mm-hmm. because of that because i don't feel like being invalidated and i don't have the patience to pull up studies and papers and concepts and stuff for him when Google is free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Being friends with someone shouldn't be 
like a job teaching them, right? Like if they're not willing to learn on their own and figure it out and respect the identity that you have, then I totally support that demotion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. <clears throat> Hopefully they don't listen to this podcast. Well, or maybe they do. And they learned something. by name. So <laughs> I'll do my best to uh, protect identities by not you know, using names. <laughs> if they do, maybe it's a lesson for them to go and do their work. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. I think a lot of people don't understand that um, being queer and like having these different identities that make up like who you are as a person and having to like, constantly explain and defend them is really emotionally taxing. And like, I don't think it's like harder to understand when you're friends with somebody because most of the time friends are like oh yeah you're supposed to listen to my problems but like I shouldn't be the one like I shouldn't be your encyclopedia mm -hmm. essentially exactly. like if it's if it's something that'll take five seconds to explain yeah that's one thing but I don't feel like I need to have a salary at a community college to teach <laughs> an entire semester's worth of why this is real and valid and you need to get with the program or get going like here's this whole dissertation right. on why my identity is valid unless they're paying you to teach them <laughs> yeah. exactly. like, not I, worth it I yeah. ended up actually uh, changing an English professor's mind about the the singular they mm -hmm. and yes. finding evidence of it as far back as the 13th century mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so exactly. people saying they is strictly plural uh, no. I've got receipts <laughs> yeah and I I teach at a university as well and I've always used just common language examples we still use with singular they all the time oh, no, and then when people hear those examples they're like oh yeah I do say that like, so you are used to doing it yeah you just got to be more conscious of it it's exactly. not that hard mm -hmm. So I'm curious about the language piece. So what drives your interest in all these languages? That's super impressive. It Languages just fascinate me overall. They always have. I uh, started learning French in kindergarten thanks to the gifted program not too far from here oh. um, that I'm still relatively fluent in. It's pretty rusty since I don't run into anyone who speaks it here. But if you were to drop me in Montreal or Paris and give me about a week, I'd be perfectly fine. Nice. Um, I'm also currently taking a class for American Sign Language, which is tons of fun. I've been developing a bit of an interest in more African languages, say uh, Swahili, Kikuyu, Zulu, Osa, um, especially the last one since it was uh, featured in Black Panther. Yes. <laughs> nice. Um, and a surprising number of my friends thought that it was a made-up language, and no. No, it's not. <laughs> um, it just sounds different mm -hmm. because of the, you know, because of the palate clicks. Mm -hmm. But I know I mentioned in, you know, the little spiel that around 10. Yeah. Um, what are those languages? That's like, like impressive. Spanish, German, Italian, uh, teeny bit of Greek, teeny bit of Hebrew. I'm teaching myself the Russian alphabet. Wow. ASL. Still trying to find a resource for Osa, but no luck. Yeah. I know there's two more. French? Well, French is the other one I'm fluent in. Oh, okay, okay. Uh... Portuguese, I know I dabbled in a little bit, mm -hmm. and I tried picking up Arabic, but I can't really differentiate between the letters yet, Yeah. so mm -hmm. that'll come eventually. Oh, Mandarin is another one nice. that wow. I picked up a couple of phrases in. Wow. So how do you try and kind of keep up with them and use them so it stays somewhat fresh? That's got to be really challenging. Uh, it They kind of cycle through various levels of um, staleness. Um, like right now, like I said, I'm still kind of trying to learn the Russian alphabet mm -hmm. before diving into the actual language so I can actually read it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, Greek, Hebrew was another one I was thinking of. 
Greek, Hebrew, uh, Portuguese, and Italian are all kind of sitting way back on the back burner. They don't really, like as much as I like them, they aren't really taking up much processing power up here for now. Mm -hmm. um, but the big one right now, since I'm taking an actual college class for it, is ASL. Cool. So with your languages, how often do you think uh, you practice them? Since like those few you mentioned are on the back burner, what about the ones that you're more like fluent in? Let's see. Um, Russian pops up here and there um, in my video gaming. Cool. Um, I'm currently playing a decent amount of Destiny 2, and it's got uh, a big portion of the area you can explore on Earth. Mm -hmm. has a lot of the Russian alphabet on there, so it's just kind of a quick reminder. Hey, check your alphabet. Check your alphabet. Learn mm -hmm. the alphabet. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. I know I'll randomly hear French on some, either here or read French on social media here and there, mm -hmm. and that's just a quick refresher. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm still forgetting languages that I've picked up because Polish is another one mm -hmm. that is kind of important given where we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've only got, you know, a, an, an idiomatic phrase and no, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's just little random things that kind of remind me, hey, check this, hey, check that, hey, yeah. check this, hey, check that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it'll build to something mm -hmm. useful at some point because I would like to travel more Yeah. if ever I win the lottery or something takes off just buy a cheap plane ticket that's, <laughs> all you got. that's all you got that's all you gotta do you gotta plan it like six months in advance forget about it google track it and then you're like oh i bought a plane ticket for germany five years ago still one day yeah it'll happen i'm sure like all these languages you've studied will definitely be put into use once you're there mm -hmm. but like um as of now there's like this language cafe in chicago that um meets every i think um second tuesday of the month mm -hmm. and they have um like groups that practice languages so like there's a group that speaks spanish there is a group that spoke vietnamese there's a group that spoke french there's a group that spoke german and like they all meet up and like from like seven o'clock until like midnight and just like speak all these languages and they just hop and like go in circles and i'll great. have to look into that That's absolutely cool. yeah it's fun <laughs> it's so a good you way go to practice. that have you been there yeah i went once because i wanted to like brush up with my french and i'm like good at listening and understanding french but the reason why I'm bad at French is I don't speak it. So that was a good way to like push me to speak French. And right. there like these there's this guy there who would not not speak to me in French. So like I tried he's like parler français and I'm like, Oh my god, sorry. So I had to like speak <laughs> French the whole time, but it was really good because there's somebody there who like had to speak English. So like I would speak French, they would practice their English and I could understand why people were getting annoyed with me at certain points. It's like, English is so easy. How can you not know how to say this certain word? And I'm betting they're saying the exact same thing like in their head when I'm speaking French. So yeah. it's like you learn patience when you're like interacting with more people and like language learning. But it's like definitely a good place to like check out. I'm going to like slide that your way after the interview. <laughs> I will gladly take you up on that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I was just going to say, I hear like as you learn more in languages, eventually it gets easier to pick up new ones because mm -hmm. they start to relate to one another. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, the ones you listed are very different mm -hmm. as well. It's not like you're like learning all the Latin languages and learning all those like you're learning very different languages. How is that? Complicated. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> um, but but what you said does uh, ring true. I mean, because I know French, I can read Spanish pretty well. Can't mm -hmm. speak it to save my life. Mm beyond you know little things or cussing somebody out 
Um, but I can read it pretty well since they function pretty similarly, you know, grammatically, um, vocabulary-wise. Just you know, switch a few res for ers and mm-hmm. um, drop a couple of accents, and you've got Spanish instead of French. Yep, nice. Um, but with ones like trying to pick up Russian or Arabic or Mandarin or yeah. ESL. Yeah. <laughs> So different. Yeah. <laughs> Even like you said with the alphabet, you have to totally mm-hmm. learn new writing, new Ex- letters, exactly. new characters. Yeah. But it's a process, and it's been a process since I left high school forever and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So baby steps. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So let's get into your story. All right. Uh, give me two seconds to make sure I've got all my switched names accurate. <laughs> no problem. I'd rather not. Take your time. You know, get yelled at via email. Okay. So this is actually kind of a this is a story about five years ago where I managed to land a job, which just looking at me, you wouldn't expect that I should be able to have. It starts off uh, southwest suburbs of Chicago at eight in the morning with a random assortment of teens and twenty somethings. Uh, seated in a in a freezing observation room, the floor is cold, the seats are cold, the air is cold, everything's cold, and it doesn't help that I'm already a little nervous. I'd interviewed to be a lifeguard, of all things, ace the interview, no problem. But then it came down to the actual making sure you're able to swim well enough <laughs> um, to be, you know, on the deck saving lives. And I, um, being a black individual, there's the running stereotype of black folks can't swim. Not the case for me, actually not the case for any of the males in my immediate family. Nice. Um, my brother can, I can, my dad can, my uncle can't, but he's the only one. So the way that it starts is that uh, we get briefed on what everything is, go run off and go get changed. And there's there's three sections of the of the test before we can actually take the class. There is the 300-yard consecutive swim, where we have to do um, front crawl and breaststroke, alternating back and forth between the two. We have to be able to tread water for two minutes with our hands under our arms, and then do the brick test, (laughs) which, you know, I'll get to in a little bit. We have to have some kind of dramatic tension. (laughs) Okay. The first one, not a problem, Um, especially because breaststroke is my favorite stroke. I actually picked that up courtesy of Tomb Raider (laughs) for a friend a half ago. Um, So, you know, swimming front crawl, catch my breath on breaststroke, front crawl, catch my breath, finish that. Um, Then the treading, I'm actually holding a conversation with my hands on my arms because at the time I was a little heavier than I am now. And since fat floats easily, I just take a deep breath and kind of mind my own business. But the final part is what really scared me. Um, The brick test involved dropping a 10-pound iron brick, clad in rubber, of course, we don't want rust in the pool, but dropping a 10-pound iron brick in the deep end of the pool, um, the aspirant um, has to start from the shallow end, swim all the way down to the deep end, dive down, grab the brick, and then swim back with the brick on their chest um, in less than 100 seconds with no glasses, with no goggles. And it's just you, the water, and your swimsuit, and hoping that you can actually do it. And for those who don't know me, I have a really strong eyeglass prescription. <laughs> As in, can't read my own phone if it's more than eight inches away from my face. Really strong. So I was freaking out the entire time. Um, we ended up letting one of the one of the lifeguards that were you know recertifying. You have to redo it every two years. 
um, letting a couple of the researchs go first, just so that way the newbies can actually see how it goes. So the first one jumps in, stretches his arms a little, and the lady running the class um, just, you know, says, are you ready? You know, make sure your glasses are off. Um, I already dropped it. I don't think it's on the blue line. The brick itself is a shade of dark blue that ended up being the same shade of dark blue as the line that marks the lane on the bottom of the pool. So if you were really unlucky, the brick would land on the dark blue tile and it'd be nigh invisible. Thankfully, that wasn't the case for me, but it was the case for the first guard. But he, this was his third research, so he knew what he was doing already. So she blasts her whistle. He zooms off in a streak of beige and red. <laughs> See him pop up ten yards later, screaming down the pool, down, up, grab the brick, and he just kicks back, kicks back, kicks back, tosses the brick on the deck, jumps out, and she stops the clock. He um, immediately gets sick. Oh, wow. He, I guess, had way too much cereal before the class, <laughs> and everything got to him all at once. Damn. Um, so we take a five-minute break. He grabs the mop and the absorbent stuff that looks vaguely like oregano. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. But sprinkles that on, sweeps it up, mops up the area, and we reset. You know, two more guards go, a couple more guards go. And then it's down to me and somebody who I, uh, well, it's me. The guy I'd been talking to, who I forget what I said his name was going to be, but let's just call him Jay. Uh, Jay and I are kind of chit-chatting back and forth. We're both brand new to this. He's like 10 years my junior, though. So that's always an interesting conversation just to kind of see how, you know, we interact with each other. But he says he was nervous about it, but he's a pretty strong swimmer, so he thinks he can handle it, handle getting to the brick. Getting back, on the other hand, might be a little bit of a challenge because he's he was pretty thin and... 10 pounds of iron is not easy to swim with, but he volunteers to go before me, and we're, like I said, we're the last two. He um, jumps in, stretches his arms a little bit, works out a cramp that he'd been fighting after the two-minute tread, and just like before, whistle blast, zooms off the wall, makes it down, grabs the brick, starts coming back, and you can just barely see his nose and lips breaking the surface of the water because the brick is almost keeping him under. <clears throat> So it's just nose, lips, a little bit of knuckle and brick, and then just a, a mad froth of his feet trying to keep <laughs> him moving through the water. He finally makes it, tosses the brick onto the deck, takes a breath, jumps out, and makes it, I want to say, in about 80 seconds. So, well within the time. And then it comes down to me. And I'm the last one. And so the lady running the class says, you know, I've, I watched you swim during the 300 yard. You should be fine. Just try to keep your feet churning the entire time you're kicking for when the brick is, or when you're bringing the brick back. Um, and I just go, okay. Start leaning into the water. Realize I can see the far wall, and have to take off my glasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gives me a countdown: three, two, one. Beep. Flying off the wall, just like everybody else get a good breath, immediately go right into a front crawl, um, trying to go as fast as I can again and again and again, keep kicking, keep pulling, keep kicking, keep pulling. Um, I make it down to the deep end and notice that there's about two inches of white tile between the line and the brick, so I can actually see it even without my glasses. Dive down, no problem, fly off the bottom of the pool holding the brick, actually break the surface a little higher than I was expecting and end up sinking again, um, and immediately just start churning legs as fast as I can end up catching a cramp three quarters of the way down, kept kicking through it, because at that point I really needed that job, and I was not going to let a cramp stop me mm. from, you know, not having to pass out samples anymore. 
Because as nice as that job is, there's elements to it that are not fun. I bet. Um, but I finally make it, toss the brick out, vault myself out of the pool, just sliding on my back, and she stops the timer. Looks at me, I look back, and she looks for a split second like I didn't make it. And says, 98 seconds, you oh, passed. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so just barely. Mm-hmm. Now, two years later, because I had to recertify, managed to do the same thing, but in, I want to say 62 seconds. Mm-hmm. So wow. I managed to shave a ton of time off as I got better at it. Mm-hmm. Wow. But still, that was harrowing to say the least. Yeah. That's exhausting. Jeez. That sounds stressful. Yeah. I mean... I, I, so I can't swim, like, at all. So, like, hearing that you had to have a brick on your chest and, like, kick, all I can envision is me drowning and just staying there <laughs> at the bottom of the, the pool. It's like, that's cool. I don't have to pass. But, like, that's, like, really impressive. It's like, how, how did you end up um, shaving off that time, though? Um, it was a combination of eating better, losing weight, um, and just getting practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got in that pool, and this was what was adding to my nerves a lot, I hadn't been in a pool for about three or four years. Wow. But um, it's a running thing with my parents that I was swimming before I was walking. Aw. Um, they had me, and I'm pretty sure if I went to my mom's apartment, I could find a picture of this. But they had me in this bright orange uh, uh, one-piece suit that had an inner tube attached to it. Aww. And before I was able to walk, I'd figured out how to kick myself around the pool. Aw. Precious. <laughs> <laughs> So you loved it from the beginning. Yeah. um, That was one of the only times you would have ever heard me screaming, crying as a baby, was when they finally took me out of the pool. Aww. Because other than that, I was just kind of quiet and watched everything. Yeah. But I loved the water, and I still do. But yeah, been swimming forever and a half, so it still came naturally. Did you ever have a serious rescue while you were working? Mm, No, thankfully. Um, where no, we... picking up somebody from the bottom of the deep end and having to hurry up and get them over and throw them on the ledge, like the brick. Baywatch <laughs> <laughs> style. Uh, right? <laughs> I got this. But we, uh, we do drill the guards from time to time just to make sure that, you know, we're on point. Mm-hmm. So I know at one point, um, somebody sank our adult dummy. Oh, wow. Um, down at the very bottom of the deep end. Those are heavy, aren't they? Yeah. Fully weighted and full of water. It's around 180, 200 pounds. Oh, wow. So I walk in from taking my break, looking around, don't see anybody from like the, uh, the, what's it, Aqua Zumba class, you know, sitting <laughs> under the water or anything. But the other guard is more on attention than she normally would be. <laughs> so I'm like, why are you more on attention? You're usually more laid back. So I immediately start scanning the pool, spot the dummy, and without a split, without any hesitation, kept glasses on and everything, just jump in feet first. Oh, wow. And grab it and... She passed me, even though technically I failed. <laughs> it's because she was because she started the timer as soon as I walked out on the deck, and I had no idea what was happening. But as soon as I saw it, there was no hesitation in my reaction, so I still had followed through with everything else properly. But in a real situation, obviously, she would have been in the water already. Mm. It's not mm-hmm. one of those um, things that you really have to worry about. The closest that I can say that something did happen was, and this is still infuriating, <laughs> um... We do uh, swim tests for younger kids just to make sure, you know, that they can conduct themselves in the water and we don't have to have a parent following them a couple feet behind at all times. Um, Then there's two tiers of it. The level two is all the way across the pool. Level one is just 
I want to say, 15 feet across the pool. Or, yeah. The first one is up and down the pool. The shorter one is just across the pool, across two lanes. At one point, I have a kid jump in to try the shorter test. And he jumps in, and the water's a little bit above his head. And he immediately starts freaking out and going into what we call an active drowning victim. Um, his dad is sitting three feet from him and starts laughing. That's terrible. Yeah, I react immediately to try to go in the water and slip on a wet patch of tile and immediately fall on my back. Oh, no. He's still laughing. Are you serious? Yep. So I, the way I fell, thankfully, my heels were over the edge of the water, so I kind of just pulled in and then pulled in a second time and then just scooped him up. Oh, wow. Um, did my best not to yell at the dad, because <laughs> I was, I don't get angry easily, unless it's, you know, things to do with children. Mm-hmm. That was something that immediately set me off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, thankfully, the kid was completely fine, a little waterlogged and coughing, but fine. No thanks to the parent, yeah. but luckily you were there. <laughs> yeah. But because we, you know, stay on top of testing and making sure mm-hmm. people are okay and getting to know the people that come in and out of the pool, so some of the older patrons that swim a little funny, we just know that they swim a little funny, not that they're in distress. Yeah. <laughs> But doing all that, as far as I know, you know, knock on wood, um, we haven't had anything major happen yet. Are you still a lifeguard? Uh, I'm not a certified lifeguard anymore. If something were to happen, I still know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But a few years after I had landed that job, I actually landed my current carpentry job, um, which is completely full time. So I don't have time to watch people (coughs) swim as much. Yeah. (laughs) So, in regards to, like, your carpentry, like, what exactly, how exactly did you get into that, and what exactly do you do? So, it's a kind, it's kind of a funny story how I got into the carpentry, because <clears throat> it was thanks to theater, mm-hmm. which, you know, shameless side note to any and everyone listening, if you're in high school or college, get involved in extracurricular activities, you have no idea how much it will help you later on. A friend of mine got me into theater a little bit in high school. Mm-hmm. So I liked it, stayed involved in some way, shape, or form. A little bit after high school, um, he invites me to go to a, you know, see him at a local show. I see it. I see a couple of people I know from high school. Fast forward to the next summer, I get asked by the same guy to help out with our running crew because, you know, we didn't have anybody for a specific scene. Um, So I end up getting kind of a walk-on role, sort of, kind of. I'm still technically part of running crew, but one of the scenes required a waiter to push out a table. And I still had a uh, part of a tuxedo from something long time ago. Um, but that was the way I got involved in that. That same show had live music instead of canned music like we usually do. The drummer from that live show is the owner of the company that I now work for. And had that not happened, I wouldn't have this job because I wouldn't have known him. Yeah. Oh, wow. You never know what connections you're going to make. Yeah. Exactly. Hence the admonishment, get an extracurriculars. <laughs> yeah. If you have time, if it's something as simple as anime club, if it's something as big as theater, if it's something mm-hmm. student government, anything, just get involved, get networked, because mm-hmm. you never know how it'll help you down the line. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So what exactly do you make? I predominantly make acrylic solid surface countertops, oh, cool. which they look amazing when I'm done with them, you know, shameless. Um, but my biggest pet peeve with them is that I don't think I will never not be dusty from Mm. the job there's a constant cloud of just acrylic dust oh okay Um, we're doing a little better now we've um, invested in some more vacuum based Mm. uh, tools 
which is nice, but they're not quite as good at the details mm-hmm. as the ones that throw dust everywhere. Okay. Why Why is that? I'm like curious about that difference. Um, the ones that have the vacuums installed are a little bigger. Mm-hmm. So when I'm trying to sand the inside an inside corner of something, mm-hmm. it's a little easier to get in because the uh the one that throws dust everywhere is about five inches around. Mm-hmm. The one that doesn't is six and change. Okay. And you'd be surprised how much of a difference just one inch makes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So do you do any like carpentry side projects, or is it just work? Um, I have. Um, I don't really get asked to. Hey, can you build this? I'm so. Uh, Given how much I talk about my job, I'm kind of surprised that I don't get asked. Um, but I have done my own personal side projects before. I built my own bookcase. I um, keep putting off finishing the uh, case that I'm making for my takedown recurve bow. So it's still presently sitting in the workshop waiting to be <laughs> laminated. But I'll get to it when we're not, you know, up to our eyeballs in work. Nice. Okay. Question. You briefly mentioned video games and your story and like before and after so like how big in like of a video of a gamer are you and tell me what games you play uh and what console you use i'm a pretty prolific ps4 player that was really alliterative (laughs) (laughs) um yeah pretty into uh, playstation gaming i tend to prefer single player games hence playing playstation yeah um People try to do these console wars. It's just what you want should determine which console you get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been gaming since, like, first grade on nice. the Super Nintendo my dad gave to my brother and I uh. when he upgraded to a PlayStation. Let's see. I, I, I spent a bit of an uncomfortable amount of time gaming. Like I said, I'd, I have been playing a lot of Destiny 2. I just got the most recent expansion, which includes bows, which is half the reason I paid for it. <laughs> But it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's it's it, it's an escape too. Mm-hmm. It's a way to be somebody that you're not. It's the same reason that I got dr- I was originally drawn to theater mm-hmm. because I'm able to be somebody I'm absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Like the last big play I was in, I was a a, a British aristocrat. <laughs> Very cool. Nice. So do you have that accent perfected? Uh, it took me a while, but yeah. That's awesome. Was that a hint to give us a demonstration? If you'd like, if you'd like to demonstrate. (laughs) Hang on, let me pull up that excerpt that I had for the actual story. Or you can do the V for Vendetta speech. (laughs) In a British accent. Yeah, in a British accent. Oh, that'd be amazing. See, but that, I feel like I'm going to forget fragments of it because I haven't had to use that in a while. (laughs) I... The the thing that uh, is stopping me from doing theater as much as I'd like to is um, typecasting. Mm, Okay. Because I know the last show that I auditioned for, I just felt it in every molecule of my body that I was going to mm-hmm. be cast as somebody's bodyguard. Yeah. And not to sound too, you know, pretentious or high and mighty or have a super high opinion of myself, I'm better than being just a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. I have a huge mm-hmm. sing. I have a pretty big singing range. Mm-hmm. I have a surprisingly skilled dancing foot. <laughs> You're so multi-talented. Can you do a backflip? I love it. Hmm? Can you do a backflip? Uh, in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's more than I can do, so... <laughs> count. Yeah, about that accent, if my signal would like to cooperate with me. Aha! Here we go. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified, and has vowed to vanquish these venal and vigilant vermin vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. 
That was amazing. That, that, yeah, like my jaw was dropping so as you were doing it. Like, oh. Thank you for doing that. Wow. Wow. And that was with no practice, not knowing we were going to ask you to do that. That was awesome. Honestly, a round of applause. Right? <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I, um, there's still kind of the, the, the distant desire to be a voice actor at some point as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I just, it's, it's not, it, it still plays into that whole concept of being something you're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah. You know, I'm still, even though I feel older than I am, I'm still relatively young, so you never know. Yeah. I mean, like, mm-hmm. Alan Rickman didn't start his acting career until he was in, what, his late 30s? Yeah. Also Morgan Freeman. So. Yeah, he was go. really yeah. old when really he started, old. right? Yeah. He was, like, the voice of God. So, yeah. like, you have, like, definitely a bunch of time. <laughs> Plenty of time for the voice to be recognized. Or the, uh, the elder from Black Panther. I cannot think yes, of her Yes, I right can't now. think. Oh, um, Alan Rick, no, not that's not. You just said that name. I know what you're talking. I know who you're talking about, though. But he like also didn't get in the game until like very late. Well, no, yeah. not no. You might be thinking of John Connie. Am I? The uh, T'Chaka. No, not T'Chaka. Oh, well, regardless, the elder woman. Oh. Oh. The one with the giant gold earrings at mm-hmm. one point. Oh. Uh, that was her first major role, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it she, was. I wow. want to say is in her late 80s. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. She's never so, acted before. Yeah. And it's yeah. never too late to start. But it's no, something I would not getting into. Mm-hmm. I'm also the running uh, voice actor nerd in my group of friends. It's the, hey, who is this? Oh, that's... Yeah, XYZ. You can peg the voices. Usually. Okay. Yeah, nice. You know, sometimes they're they're really doing something completely different and you can't tell. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them have, like Steve Bloom, for example, who I got to meet a couple of years ago and I'm still, like, geeking out about <laughs> it. Um, but he has, has his distinctive gravelly um, kind of anti-hero voice. Mm-hmm. And I can always pick him out in a heartbeat. Nice. So you said you enjoy like all those things that kind of let you put on a different persona. What do you enjoy about doing that? Kind of taking on a new persona what, or identity. What do I enjoy about it? Yeah. What draws you to it? That's kind of an interesting question to answer. It it kind of is based around um, still trying to figure out my own identity um, and just trying on different hats and seeing which one fits best. You know, playing the like in video games, more often than not, I'll end up picking a female character if I have choice of gender of character, just to kind of play with that hat um, mm-hmm. and see if that feels right. Um, sometimes it's just to just to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but like both of my main characters in Destiny, for example, are female. Well, female. Yeah. The the main <laughs> one I use is um a, is what they call an EXO, which is just a robot. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. There's not exactly any biology to argue in that, and that's a whole other department that yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel neither qualified nor able to discuss at length, given the time that we have. Fair. Yeah. Um, it, it's a way to kind of experiment without committing too, too much to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. It's cool because you describe both your gender and your sexual orientation. It sounds like it's pretty fluid. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that kind of crosses over and gives you the opportunity to kind of play right. around with that too yeah right there's the running joke i don't know if i saw it on tumblr first or facebook first but it's the the what's your gender and then it's a vague sound with wiggly hand what are you trying to do <laughs> it's just the kind of if i look at a person in there and i'm attracted to them then there yeah. you go Cool. Yes, that's exactly how I describe my queerness. Like, I could walk into a room and tell you who I'm attracted to, but it has nothing to do with, like, their genitals and their body and how they identify. Like, it's just what I feel yeah, in the exactly. moment. So queer is what I prefer. But, yeah, yeah, yeah totally get that. It, 
it's a lot shorter than saying, oh, what did I try to nail it down as? Uh, pansexual with an androphilic lean, I think. I haven't heard the androphilic lean part before. What's that? It's, 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 I don't really care. I do tend to prefer, uh, what I call masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not even remotely set in stone. Um, hence, it's just eh, a little more that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there, it's the androphile versus gynophile, which, yeah, I mean, kind of forces into a binary, but mm-hmm. I don't know offhand if there's a term neutrophile, maybe? Now there is. <laughs> <laughs> you own that. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, sometimes I just say I'm attracted to queer. Too. Exactly. Like I tend to be attracted to queer, whatever that is for whoever. Right. If they're into me, yeah. I'm into them. Then whatever that is, whatever that is. Yeah. That it's just good. affects things that we do when we're on our own, and y'all don't know anyway. Awesome. So we are reaching the end of our interview. Now, please shamelessly plug all of your beautiful <laughs> things that you do. Yes, all righty. So. First and foremost, I'm one half of the Bald of the Kids podcast, which, just to use the little tag that, the tag that I use at the beginning of every episode. <clears throat> Welcome to the Bald of the Kids podcast, a space dedicated to discussing sociopolitics, mental health issues, and nerd culture. That's the thing that I usually say every episode, but mm-hmm. um, the mental health issue kind of centers heavily, or centers a lot more on the uh, black community. Um, my co-host Vesta and I are both black individuals, or black queer individuals at that. And we kind of discuss, you know, toxic masculinity, you know, how depression manifests itself in different people, um, why it's a load of nonsense that um, the biggest thing in the black community with mental health is you, what do you have to be depressed about or, you know, give it to God are the two biggest things that I've heard growing up and they've heard much the same. Um, so that's kind of the biggest, that, that's why we focus on that a lot. Um we do try our best to have disclaimers and such in the episodes. You know, this section is going to be talking about this. If you don't have the spoons for it, you know, skip to this point. Um, trying our best to be sensitive to, you know, whoever's listening. It's, I, I want to say it is the Burger King to the Reed's McDonald's, um, which can be taken however you like. If mm-hmm. you like Burger King more, if you like McDonald's more, it's whichever you end up liking more. Uh, the Reed focuses a lot on pop culture mm-hmm. you know which celebrity is doing this which which woman future impregnated for the 15th time because you know <laughs> that man has too many kids <laughs> um, and so on on that end mm-hmm. and they occasionally touch on politics whereas ours is the complete inverse of that we try to stick to you know which uh disadvantaged group Mitch mcconnell is trying to take rights away from this week <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know occasionally you know pop culture might sneak itself in and mm-hmm. you know like this celebrity announcing that they're going to try to run for this office for example so that's where the two bleed over um but we try to keep it light relatively lighthearted mm. i mean some events are going to be pretty heavy regardless um try to keep it lighthearted try to keep it funny and it's a lot of fun we we've been going for a little while now um and we are available on pretty much every major platform so google play spotify itunes uh soundcloud and youtube um is what you can listen to us on um the shows run around ooh 
We try to orbit around 90 minutes. Okay. But okay. there's... Oh, almost forgot to mention. Um, there's also a musical break between each section that runs about two minutes or so of some local artist or, you know, Vesta himself. Uh-huh. Um, they'll make some music uh, for the show okay. just to kind of, you know, supplement in between. So, like, if somebody's listening to the show on their commute, they can stop on the break mm-hmm. and then go from the music and continue, and it'll be a nice stopping point for each time. Okay, nice. Um, if anybody would like to get a hold of me via Twitter, um, my, uh, Twitter handle is at, uh, the Iron Magnus. That's T-H-E-I-R-O-N-M-A-G-N-U-S. I just like the fact that you're signing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have to get the practice. It's, if, um, if you could watch it, actually, deaf or hard of hearing person who's been signing most of their lives, watch them fingerspell something, you'll be surprised to not see smoke emanating from their knuckles by the end of it, because it's almost terrifying. That's awesome. It's kind of impressive. It, it, it really is. Yeah. Um, but it's also always a little intimidating to try using a new language with people who've been speaking it most of their lives. Yeah. But there's that, there's that. Uh, if anybody would want to, you know, say anything, you know, mental health related, you know, again, a big focus on the black community, but um, mental health in general needs more focus mm-hmm. in America. So by all means, don't let not being black stop you from you know shooting us an email talking about you know what does your depression look like how do you fight your anxiety uh what's something that you did that said that yes i can beat this mm-hmm. you know you can shoot us an email at um ask the bkcast at gmail.com as far as social media for the time being that's all i have okay sweet well thank you so much for <laughs> being here and being part of this beautiful podcast um I honestly can't wait till this launches so everyone can hear your story. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing all the new things you do too. Mm-hmm. You have a lot yeah. going oh, on. Almost forgot to mention. Um, <laughs> we also have a Facebook page up. Just type in the Baldwin Kids Podcast and you'll find uh, Vesta and I mm-hmm. all across the banner and our logo has the actual picture. Nice. Awesome. Um, and all of our links are on there and mm-hmm. will be uploaded as time goes on. Cool. We'll Sweet. definitely check you out. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Studwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C. and you can check out her music at bstudwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk Talk to you all all next next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories. I was determined to make a change and allow myself to finally, finally embrace my truth and live the life I knew I wanted. I remember very clearly saying to myself, don't you dare wake up tomorrow and pretend to forget this. It's now or never, bitch. And so I fell asleep for the first time ever an openly gay man. I guess? Did it count if I hadn't said it out loud yet or told anyone other than my own brain? 